Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I am your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. And whether you tune in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode is an author, spiritual teacher, and performance coach. He's worked with PGA, LPGA, MLB All-Stars, and more, as well as supporting several college programs, including having worked with Arizona State Football. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Howard Falco. today i'm good thanks for having me on tyler excited to have you on i, I guess to give our listeners uh, some background just love to hear from you uh what led you into the the work you do now and, and as a performance coach and spiritual teacher kind of what led yeah. you to it yeah it's kind of a a deep well but i'll i'll give you the mid to short version um always been a deep seeker about life some of the bigger existential questions about life uh, very curious as a child uh, since I was 12, 13, 14 years old. Um, and uh, always searching to understand the first night that I was on a camping trip and looked up and saw how, you know, that amount of stars in the sky, it really shook me. And I was like, wow, that's crazy that that canopy is above our head every single night. And so I wanted to understand more about our connection to everything. And so I was just curious and, um, uh, Went out and put myself through school out west, out of Arizona State, got a degree in finance, got in the finance business, got married, had two kids, got a house, you know, all the regular things that you do in life that, you know, on your way to happiness. And these questions still nagged at me. And the very short story is I reached a point in my mid-30s where I was, you know, wondering why I wasn't at peace with myself, with everything I did have. Yeah. And... um uh, one day I realized, well, it, it, you know, I had this checklist of things and oh, well, I had to be millions of dollars was the last thing on the checklist. And I realized I was in finance working with people with millions of dollars who weren't happy. So then I thought, well, wow, that's not the answer either. Yeah. And that's when I tapped out. I'm like, I'm out. I don't know what the answer is anymore. And I sort of was really curious about it and yearned for it. And over the course of the next six months from that moment of like a deep crisis, I had a shift. And in that shift, I had what, there's a lot of different ways to describe it, but an expansion of awareness and expansion of consciousness, but a big one, a really big one, so profound that I left my work and went out to write about it. And that's where I wrote my first book, I Am. And I started working with people all over the world with dealing with depression, anxiety, spiritual quest, enlightenment, um, business success, relationships. And one of the groups of people that started to call me when my book was out were athletes. Mm -hmm who had read it, who said, hey, man, I read your book. This is what happened to my performance. Do you work with athletes? I grew up playing all sports. So I said, absolutely. I was already working with individuals. It was yeah. a perfect match. And here we are 20 years later where I've been you know, working with professional in college and, and, and elite high school athletes for the last 15 of them um, yeah. on this deeper understanding about mental strength and life and how to use it for performance results. So that's the... That's a short story, Tyler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> love it. Um, I think those words uh, "I am" are, are are so powerful, and I think in working with student athletes, you know, sometimes the the phrase I've shared with them is, you know, filling in those blanks. I am. I can. I will. You know, mm. and talk. Uh, can you talk about? But you know, it starts with that. I am. And, and <clears throat> so talk yeah. about that. The power in that. And, 
Yeah, I mean, it really is the nexus and the nucleus of all power in life. Um, that's why the first book is titled I Am, um, because at the core, you have to define yourself based on what you're intending to create for yourself. So you cannot be a different version. You can't be a limited version of yourself and your thoughts and beliefs and say you want to achieve this level of success. You have to adopt that it is who you are. Or if you can't yet see and feel that it's who you are, I'm okay. And actually, I like the phrase, I am becoming. I am becoming the greatest golfer in my high school class. I am becoming the greatest wrestler. I am becoming uh, the greatest baseball player. So that way you, your, your soul can agree with that and not have any disconnect yeah. and you can embrace it and it can fuel the energy because all the energy of your thoughts, feelings, and actions are related to what your truth is and your truth is coalesced in those I am statements. So one of the first things that I teach people is be very aware of your story using I am statements. You know, I am very bad at this or I can't do this or I... It's, once you catch how much you do it, you'll be like, wow, no wonder it's not happening until yeah. you shift that. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Uh, yeah. The, the, you know, I am becoming right. It's that, that human, you know, being human doing kind of, kind of element. Um, mm -hmm. And you kind of touched on it there too. And I think, you know, especially with kind of the student athlete age is, you're bombarded with societal things about these limiting beliefs that should limit them. Um, how do we help uh, young athletes, you know, go sift through those limiting beliefs and societal things that get thrown at them and, and get to the things that, you know, they truly can believe and not be so distracted by the ones that are so limiting sometimes. Such a great question, Tyler. Um, the first thing I often start out with in a session with people is, you know, I ask them a question, what's possible in life? Mm. And when the answer, when they hit on the answer, which is anything, then they realize that they're part of life. They're part of this universe, which means there's anything, that possibility lies in you, that infinite possibility. Once they realize that they're not limited as part of this universe, just like nothing in this universe is limited, then they can start to dig in and see, well, where have I limited myself? And why have I limited myself? Yeah. Those are the two questions. And what they're going to find is that part of it was by their personal experience, something that they learned from somebody or took on about themselves. Part of it was by their nurturing. And the real sneaky one, the one nobody, not a lot of people see, is the genetic programming mm. can get them. And so what I do is I try to move them and nudge them to a place where they see much more is possible of them than they ever thought before. And I encourage them to move into that space, no matter how uncomfortable it feels at first, because it's new and it creates vulnerability. Yeah. But once they step in and they start to see the success, they get more comfortable. And hopefully after that snowball is pushed up the hill, it starts to hit the fulcrum point where it starts to speed easily downhill with that new idea and that new identity. So it takes heavy lifting at first because you're working through old programming of your mind yep. in order to break those limits. But once you have a good teacher or a good coach or a good mentor who can keep encouraging you with the truth of eternal optimism, then I believe it can be broken for any human being. And I, I've seen it happen hundreds of times, yeah. thousands really. Uh, one of, and I think the, 
I know you do a lot of work with the, you know, the self-awareness piece and how that plays a, a role into that. And my dream would be that they like taught self-awareness classes in high school, you know, because I think, um, you know, uh, did you just say that honestly, really, because yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's the whole mission I have. And it's kind of crazy. You just said that. I don't know if you know about, I have a foundation called the eight wisdom foundation, which is going to be the legacy of this work the next 20 years. But what you just said, the intent of it at its core is to get a class on self-discovery, self-awareness taught in high school before someone graduates, whether they go to college, don't, you know? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Just, that was crazy. Well, no, I just think, yeah, that space just, you know, there's just, I find, I guess I'm with student athletes a lot, but, you know, just, and I think just myself, I think there was that adage, you know, you got to go find yourself, you know, and I think I, I tried to, you know, when you do that, you end up finding and chasing some of the wrong things that aren't authentic. And, and I think, you know, I, I did that and, you know, more of my college years, I, you know, it's more about, you know, becoming yourself. And uh, I, I struggled with that self-awareness and, and I think kids these days do do as well and, and trying to help get them to it. I really wanted to get your thoughts because I see in youth sports, especially at the younger ages, we try to sometimes manufacture self-confidence before they have self-aware, wow. they have self-awareness. Wow. Spot and, on. And, and yeah. that and that just doesn't end well. And how no. do we help parents and young people get that turned around so you can really develop confidence? That is a fantastic question and so spot on. Um, and I'm going to answer that. Um, first, I want to say that you're right. The old moniker was go find yourself. What I believe the new moniker is discover yourself, discover what you're capable of and who you really are beyond the limited programming, not find yourself. You're not lost. You're just misunderstood internally about who you are. So I just want to say that no, as it. far as how, how kids can be more encouraged, um, to, uh, uh, to be successful and to have confidence is not forcing a false confidence and a false bravado and a false ego on them but really helping them to understand that the process of becoming what they're choosing and intending to create requires a path of learning, which means they're going to um, have a lot of not mistakes or failures because those are such negatively connotated words. They're going to have a lot of learning experiences. Yeah. And I think when parents and coaches allow kids to be able to learn and to quote, make mistakes and fail without any judgment that it's part of the process and it's actually helping them. It changes the whole way they approach vulnerability and trying new things and expanding because they're not so protective. They're not so, you know, um, uh, the ego doesn't take over with all the excuses and right. the resistance and the lack of ownership. And it's like, no, I, I owned it. I didn't do that, but what can I learn from it? Cause the best athletes in the world are ravenously curious they want the experience because of what it's going to help when they fail or don't succeed or have a learning experience because they want the information. Yeah. Yep. So get curious, you know, it's don't, a, don't worry about failing, get curious about it. And I think, uh, I love you brought up the curiosity because I think, uh, college coaches, they, they always say they, they love the recruits that ask questions, right? They're, they're asking, they're curious, they're trying to shape themselves. Um, yep. how, how can we, help them i think sometimes kids are like oh i can be curious but then when we want to get into that self-curious uh, it's a little more vulnerable and i think vulnerability is where we kind of create the growth and kind of break things down but how can we help uh and even as adults uh 
understand and be comfortable being a little vulnerable? Well, vulnerability, the fear of vulnerability is um, the fear that you're not going to survive, the fear of um, being judged, the fear of being exposed for not being good enough. So what the best athletes in the world do or the most successful people is they don't care about what others' opinions are. All they care about is getting to their goal and getting the information that will help get them there. And the only way to do that is to get vulnerable. So a business person has to take risk. An athlete has to test themselves to see where they need improvement and where they don't. In a relationship, you've got to go out there and see if he or she will say yes or no in order to learn how whether it's the right person, the wrong person, or whether there's somebody else that will appreciate you for who you are. So that's the vulnerability that we're talking about, but you cannot care or worry about whether you're going to survive or not. That's not in doubt. It's a question of how fast you're going to get to your goal. So you have to have the will to succeed that is more has more energy in it than the fear of some 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 type of, of, of non-improvement or failure or setback. You have to be willing to go back to go forward. Talk about the the fear, right? I think that's just read the book I was reading was talking about the research, you know, how we 90% of stuff we worry about doesn't happen, right? And we spend yeah, exactly. a, a good chunk of time on those things that don't happen mentally and in, in, right. in our energy. Um what are some ways uh maybe coaches listening can help their athletes uh create environment and create a space where uh, using positive self-talk isn't uh, abnormal, but something that's normal and, and useful and advantageous. Well, I think the first thing for coaches is really to gain the trust of their student and to know that they're not judging them. They're there to help them and they're not using them as a tool to make themselves look better, but they really are in, are invested in their well-being as a person and then ultimately their success. Um, uh Sorry, the second part of your question was um, what tools they can use to, what was the question? To help them normalize and then, yeah, engage in getting athletes to use positive self-talk. Oh, positive self-talk. That was the word. So the big one on that is when, you know, to ask them, how does negative self-talk help you? Hmm. One thing I've learned about the universe, it's a self-fulfilling universe. Meaning whatever your truth is, and it's often displayed by our words and our actions, what we believe, is going to lean the needle of probability towards that outcome. Not a certainty, but it just pushes the needle of probability that way. So if you're negative, you're going to shift it from 50-50 to 80-20, meaning 80% something negative is going to happen, 20% something positive is going to happen. I would think you'd want the odds in your favor. Therefore, positive self-talk is going to lead you closer to your dreams. The question is, how do you get comfortable with positive self-talk if you're used to negativity in your mind, in your genetics, in your family, in your upbringing? How can you shift that? And that's where the will to get to your goal is so important because the stronger that will, the more you will move and work yourself into a new state of identity and being. In other words, you will gravitate more to the things that benefit you, the people that you surround yourself with, the work ethic, the self-talk. So I think coaches can really, the, really the truly the answer to that is the best way a coach can help his, his uh, student is by working on his own self-awareness so he understands it to the core of his soul or her soul. That way they can teach it the best because they've been on the path and they understand it. And it always leads to more positivity 
doesn't mean you have rose colored glasses and you're not aware of where you need to get better right. or where it's not good enough, but you're going to be constantly optimistic and encouraging to yourself in order to keep that train going in the direction of the, of the ideal outcome. I appreciate that. It's just so useful these days with uh, just helping kids have a, a perspective. Um, just yeah. You- and I, yeah. And I see a lot of coaches who unfortunately there's a lot of good coaches out there, but there are coaches that haven't worked on themselves. And so they're spewing their own negativity and their fears and their, and it's, it's, it's really upsetting because yeah. they have these young people who are listening to them and want, you know, so, um, but everybody's learning. Um, so I think, you know, the more people that go on this path of self-awareness, the better world we're going to have. Yeah. It's kind of on that path in journey. One of the questions I wanted to ask you is I know, um, you know, in sports, the body, we train it a lot. We regimen it. We schedule it. All the things we do. Mind, we, we've, you know, we're evolving in what we do as far as yep. performance mindset. Yep. Um, and, you know, you also deal with your athletes and bring in, you know, that spirit side. And I think, I, you know, found as an athlete, you know, having tools and, you know, space as a person to grow and explore in all those areas was essential to my success. Can you talk about how uh, that spiritual component um, can help us not only as a person, but as a, a performer. So let me define spirituality because there's so many different angles on what that means. Sure. Um, so from my perspective, spirituality means the state of awareness you have about who you are and your connection to life. Yeah. And the greater that that grows in that understanding and in that connection, the greater your spirituality is. And what that means is that as you grow in your awareness, you see that you are not defined by any one thing. And as you see you're defined by less, you actually become bigger in terms of your grounding because you, you, you start to see, this is where it gets a little heady, but you start to see more of your infinite self, yeah, your immortal self. And I don't mean physically, physically, everything rises and falls, but there's a spiritual component that is, I believe is eternal, our consciousness. And so when you see that, you don't worry so much about your own immortality and your fears go down. And because your fears go down, you're more grounded because you're more grounded. You're more present because you're more present. You're picking up information faster and you're quicker to the ball. You're quicker to the space you need to be. You're ahead of the puck as Gretzky always said he was right. And so you just have this sixth sense that kicks in because you're so present to everything but that comes from your spirituality of your own self and knowing there's something greater to you and a greater connection between you and life. And it calms you. So that's a deeper kind of, we could have a whole conversation on that no, one, I, but, but that, yeah, no, but that's a little deeper. Yeah. No, I, I like, I really like how you define that, you know, that connection to life. What's that source? Cause I think, you know, just like you probably part of the reason for your definition is a lot of, I myself, sometimes when you hear spirituality, you think faith, religion, uh, you know, and, and those were part of it for, for what you may be connected to. They may ground Correct. you. And I think right. that that is a, a important because what, uh, especially with student athletes, you know, at that age, you know, I grew up in a Christian household. Um, but st- mm-hmm. still, when you're a student athlete, you start to learn, just like you said, question. And um, but I always had a connection. And I, I like that connection piece. What connects you to that kind of life source? Because that can be a, a variety and a combination of things. Yeah. And that could be what G-O-D is to you. You know, that could be yep. what God is to you. It just, yep. everybody has their own unique way of connecting, but um, from pure, from, again, from my perspective, 
spirituality is really your awareness of that yourself and your connection to divinity. Yeah. I love it. I like the way that how divinity works with you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, doing a, a little prodding on, on your website, there's an equation I wanted you to kind of share and if you can explain a little bit, but the talent plus preparation plus belief in mind equals peak performance. Can you give us a little breakdown of that? Yeah, sure. Most people think that if um, uh, if they just prepare and they and they ultimately have the talent, they're going to be successful. But that's only a two-legged stool of a three-legged stool. You need that third leg. And the third leg is you have to have the belief that supports the work and the talent. There's been plenty of talented people that don't make it. There's been plenty of people that work hard and have talent that don't make it. But you add the component of belief of mind, there can be plenty of people without talent, work hard and have belief that make it, or plenty of people that have talent and belief of mind and make it. So that that the key component seems to be the belief of mind, the real, which is is driven by the will and the ability to learn and understand, and most importantly, persevere. It's the perseverance piece, because life is going to test you to the nub on whether or not you are who you say you are, especially the higher you're trying to go in the world because there's so much talented intention in a very small space as you get higher. It's like a pyramid. It gets the amount of people that can fit into there are smaller, entertainment, business, and um, uh, sports because there's only so many positions. There's only one dominant company that does internet you know, selling, you know, right. let's just say Amazon, you know, for, but the point is, so, so your intention is going to get tested against theirs. And you, so it's a perfect weeding process for those that have the true grid and the work ethic and the self-awareness and the humility. Um, so that's what that equation really means. It's not just talent. It's not just preparation. It's also belief of mind. Love it. Um, talked about it earlier. I think that, uh, with your with your athletes and coaching getting them to see more what's possible and we talked a little bit about the limiting beliefs earlier um but are there any questions that that you also like to invoke to uh help maybe kids that are thinking narrow or or kind of small-minded to get to that space where they can see those possibilities or but are there questions that that you like or is it just some heavy open-endedness that you just sit there with? <laughs> I'm smiling because there's one question that comes to mind. I mean, there's a lot of questions you can ask yeah. yourself, but there's one question that comes to mind, which I'll drop on you here. Yeah. Cause you asked. Um, so I've got, I've got tons of quotes in both books that are powerful and tons of questions to ask, yeah. but there's only one I have on my computer in front of me that I stare at every day mm-hmm. as it relates to what I'm working to it, to achieve in the world. Um, and it's a question I would ask every athlete to ask themselves um, and dig into whatever they find the answer to be, because anything that limits them from this question is a lie. Um, and the question is, why not me? Yeah. Love if it. you dig into that one, you're going to find a false belief or a limiting belief in there. And as soon as you identify it, at least you'll know what has prevented you from feeling like you can achieve it. And hopefully then you can kind of, um, you can, you can look at it and find a contrasting statement that will actually help get you closer to what you want to get to. Uh, you can challenge that limit, but you, you can't challenge a limit you're not aware of. So to ask that question, why not me? will prompt something. Yeah. 
and then you can you can attack it. Love that question. Um, I guess uh, you know as we wrap up, you know one of the things I always like to to ask too is uh, you mentioned your kind of moment of expansion, discovery, and um, growth uh, that kind of stem from that, and you're able to serve and help so many other people from that. Um, but if you could go back in a time machine and give your younger self uh, maybe some advice before finance school, uh, what would you tell yourself? Man, be so much easier on yourself. Work hard. and I wouldn't change it, the work ethic and the intention, but the self-critic that came from upbringing, um, personal experiences, you know, genetics, like that self-critic. I would, I would tell myself that that self-critic is a liar and that the truth is that I, anything is possible with me and just to keep working hard, be humble, open your mind up and be willing to learn. And everybody is on their own path. So stop with the comparisons to everybody else. Everybody has their own purpose in life here. Um, just focus on what you want to do and you want to achieve and be kind to yourself. Work hard, have a high level of tolerance for what you want to achieve. There's nothing wrong with that with saying, no, that's not good enough. I need to work harder. But don't be critical about who you are as a human being because you're doing the best you can in every single moment. There is no other truth. And you have a new moment to demonstrate, define, declare who you want to be. That's your greatest power is that statement of I am and moving forward with a new I am and a new moment. doesn't matter what happened in the past. So that's what I would tell myself um, if I had, you know, before 35 when it all happened. Um <laughs> But, uh, and that's what I'm sharing with as many people as I can. And it's amazing how many young people are receptive to that Yeah. at 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Like it's, it's really, it's great. It's good, great stuff. And I, I hope more coaches and teachers teach that to people. We'll, we'll, we'll keep, we'll get our classes going. Don't worry. We'll get our, we'll get I am class. We'll get those classes going, get some awesome. uh, social yep. emotional learning kickstarted. But um, last, last question too, I think, you know, you know, we talk about overcoming a lot of self-beliefs and challenges and these difficulties that, that arise as we pursue our journey and our, our own self. Um, but in the work that you do, what brings you the most joy in doing what you do now? What is, what are those moments of joy and what bring them to you? Seeing a shift in a human being's eyes when they realized that more than they thought they were and that the limit that they had on themselves was really truly a lie. And there's so much more to them that, that opening that, you know, meeting someone with what they're looking to understand that helps elevate their soul and their mindset. Yeah. That's, that's an indescribable joy doing something like this. Very joyful to be able to share with, with you and great questions and, you know, so yeah. Yeah.